Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies, and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Maria Catherine Ramsey. She is a visual artist, poet, musician, herbalist, feng shui practitioner, and creativity guide. Her mission is to uncover more beauty, creativity, and magic in the world. She does this by creating her own art, as well as helping artistic beings to craft supportive creative practices. Maria, welcome to the space. Hi, Hollis. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you're here, Maria. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi. So reading just that tiny bit about you, could you please tell people a little bit more about yourself, whatever you want to share, and then we'll dive into the questions. Yeah. Well, like you said, I'm a visual artist. I'm a poet. I'm a musician. I've always had a lot of different creative pursuits. So I was really excited to discover your podcast because of my lifelong interest in creativity and because I've been doing all these different creative things for my whole life, that's really led me to this current place of guiding people through creativity and tapping into more creativity, which is really exciting. Yeah, I'm so like, I, I love meeting people and your story is just so, I mean, when you hear artist, poet, musician, herbalist, feng shui practitioner, practitioner, people be like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. These are like all a bunch of things, but it's how you bring it all together. That's the beauty in doing this, being a creativity guide, which I like the way you word that. It's because all of these are components that help people in their journey, even though they might not see it. Right. And that's something that's always been really exciting to me too, is being able to bring in these different aspects of myself and kind of weave them together and weave together different things that I'm passionate about. Like even for my feng shui certification for my final project, I did a project that incorporated herbalism and visual art just because that's like each of these things are additional ways that influence how I see the world and how I approach things. And so it's really fun and exciting to be able to combine those things. Oh my gosh. I love that. The first, I love the word that you said weave a few times. It's mm -hmm. just such a cool word. It's like, I see the visual of like, you know, you know, either stitching under, over, under, over, or like a quilt um, or it's just, it's just beautiful, the whole weaving of things coming together. And what you're saying so already is kind of like this, to me, I perceive it as a, a holistic point of view where it's not just where feng shui has its own set of learnings, but then this is who you are. And then this is how you bring it in to that feng shui aspect. Yes, definitely. And I think, I mean, for me, that's a big piece, I think, of what creativity is. It's like combining things in your own unique way. I think there's this idea that creativity, or it gets lumped together with innovation, which has this connotation that it's all totally new. 
And I don't think that necessarily everything creative has to be 100% new, but I think it's really in the way that you bring things together in your own unique voice and from your own unique perspective. Perfect. Okay. Hold on. Hold that thought. (laughs) We're going to get there and we're going to do a deeper dive. So yeah. Okay, good. So I want to welcome those that are here with us live. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. Any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in the chat where we can see them and we can respond. So we're going to do our would you rather question first. Okay. And I've learned how to do this little audio (laughs) addition first. So here, bear with me. As we as we build up, where's the drum roll? <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Boom! There we go. Okay, so Maria, would you rather have no internet or no cell phone? Hmm. No cell phone. That's what's coming to mind for me. I like to not be reachable always. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the days were you around for those days when you weren't always reachable yeah I didn't have a cell phone until I was in college so for my my youth I experienced that for a while wow it is nice right there's it's that- really nice I feel like there's just something about people always being able to get in touch with you that is kind of draining on a very low level Mm -hmm. and I think that we don't always notice in the moment but after a while it can really for me anyway it can really take a toll yeah yeah I understand and that's kind of where I went to I was I was just immediately thinking that with the internet it's how I conduct a lot of my business. <laughs> so I was like, right. need, need that. But then I was like, well, I could always call people through messenger and like through that way if I needed to. <laughs> but this is true. <laughs> yeah. So there's alternative ways, but yeah. Yeah. I like what you just said about being unreachable, actual quiet solitude. Yes. Which is kind of hard to find sometimes, especially in the world of cell phones and internet. Yeah, it is. Agreed. Okay, so let's dive in and get into this juicy magic conversation because I I feel it happening. So I'm excited. Yeah. So Maria, how do you define creativity? I think this is such a good question. And I feel like I say something different every time somebody asks me this because I feel like creativity is one of those things. It's like, how do you define love or how do you define happiness? It's such a huge concept that touches so many aspects of our lives. But I think the way that I'm defining creativity in my mind right now is really, I think it's something that's available to everyone, regardless of your medium or your training or your perceived talent. I think it can come through in kind of any aspect of your life, really. And I think it's what happens when we approach the world, listening to our own inner wisdom and expressing that. Mm. When listen, part of what you said, when listen to your own inner is inner wisdom mm-hmm. and, and express it. Yeah, wow. and I think it kind of ties into, For me, creativity is very connected to both intuition and imagination. I think they're all kind of petals of the same flower, so to speak, because I think that they're all kind of about tapping into our own unique way of being and seeing and perceiving and expressing. And I, again, like I was saying earlier, I think it's not so much about creating something that's totally new that's never been done before it's really how is this energy of creativity coming uniquely through you i first want to i I so appreciate that and i'm so glad you said that i just want to go back to what you said about how the definition changes Mm-hmm. So I think that's just important because I completely agree with that. And I just want to reinforce that to people that 
just because you say this is my definition doesn't mean it's set in stone. It's something that's fluid. It's something that can vary based on circumstances and um, emotions. Yes. I love that. And I think, I mean, that's why it's an interesting question. I'm sure for you to ask your guests is because it is, it has so many different sides to it. It does. It does. And it's been so interesting to hear what people have to say. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I really like what you pointed out too, that it doesn't have to be about it, it is used so much in like innovation and that it has to be new and we're being creative and we're creating something that has never existed before. And that's a lot of pressure to, yeah, it is. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Um, it's not to say it doesn't happen and it does happen, but I think for people wh- where I'm coming from is that I really want to help people feel empowered to own their talents that are within that maybe need to be uncovered that need to be recharged that they just need to be maybe discovered and when it's made to feel attainable in that it's something unique to them and it needs like you use the word many times and i love that word too i say that creativity is expression it's how you use your voice it's how you show up it's how it's, it's how you express. I feel that that's attainable for people. They're like, oh, that makes sense, kind of. I'm at least willing to explore that instead of let's create something completely new that's never been done. That's right. like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I think that does put a lot of pressure on people. And I, I just know so many people who feel like they're not creative or they feel creatively blocked or they're just not really sure where to start when it comes to creativity. And I think that that's part of the reason why is because we put so much pressure on ourselves for it to look a certain way, for it to be something totally new. And I don't think that's helpful. No, no. And this and this societal definition, at least from my point of view, is like, you know, well, you have to know how to draw or paint. That's what everybody mm-hmm. thinks of um, uh, as being, you know, a creative being. But I want to hear more. I want everybody to learn more about you and your journey because of these different aspects of yourself. I know you were a music teacher and instruments and writing and maybe kind of if you could give us, go back as far as you want and just kind of tell us more about your journey. That'd be great. Sure. So like I mentioned at the very beginning when we started talking, I've always considered myself a creative person. I think that I am really fortunate to have grown up in a household where that was encouraged. I know that's not the case for everybody, but I did grow up in a house where it was celebrated to make art and write and play creatively and make music and all these things that we think of as traditionally creative. And so I spent a lot of time When I was growing up, writing stories, writing poems, drawing pictures, doing paintings, doing craft projects, making music. And then as I got older, music really became the thing that was my, like the outward thing that I was sharing with the world in terms of my creativity. It's what I studied seriously. It's what I majored in in college. And then I ended up teaching music after I got out of school, like you said, for several years. Mm -hmm. And I, I love music. I'm so grateful to music and it's still a really important part of my life. But as an adult, once I started working, I think I started to kind of lose that playful side of my creativity where I was just making things and doing things that were fun and exciting for me because music had become my career, essentially. Mm -hmm. So in the past several years, I've really kind of gotten back to that side of myself, which has been really, really rewarding. I've been making a lot more time in my days for visual art, for poetry, and even for music, but in kind of my own way that I want to explore it. So that has been really, really fun to kind of get back to that sense of play when it comes to creativity. Yeah, I want to like point out 
I really like how you worded, you said music was my outward thing. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's, it's a good conversation to kind of just bring out or something to note that outward and that inward, what we choose to show people. And this is considered maybe more serious. This is what you do because it's where you're earning money. You know, that's your job. Right. And I think um, that we put so much emphasis on that in, in the U.S. anyway. Yeah. And it's, yes, everybody, we have to make money and, <laughs> and we, we're not, we're not saying this conversation is just about looking into its people's journeys, their experiences, their perspectives in these areas. So here, this is a passion. It was your outward thing. You thought, okay, this is something I enjoy and I can make money at the same time. But then for you, which I understand this, that once it became more of all of the other expectations, it wasn't so enjoyable. It took the joy out. Right. And I think it took me a little while to figure out why it wasn't feeling joyful. But when I think about how I engaged with music when I was younger, when it felt really fun, it was very, very different from how I was engaging with music when I was doing that as my career. When I was younger, I would just I would play things by ear. I would make up harmonies just for fun. I would transpose things for fun. I would write music. And then that just is very, very different from teaching music and from pursuing classical music in an education mm. setting. Right. And I just think it's really important to it's just it's important to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was an art teacher for 30 years and doing so many different things, um, professional developments, artists in residencies, had the so grateful to have worked with so many populations, so many abilities. And when I just realized that it was starting to wear on me because there were so many other expectations from the outside, um, having to prove all the time the worthiness of it, I was just starting to get tired. Yes. <laughs> this is getting really wearing, um, love, but, and then for me, I realized I needed to make a pivot. It's like, okay, then it's kind of turning inward and being like, okay, what do I like to do? What am I good at? What am I going to trust myself in that this could feel good that I want to spend the next 40, 50 years? Cause I personally don't want to retire. I mean, mm -hmm. I just, I love what I do. So I just want to keep doing it and keep bringing in these things that feel good. So that's when the pivot happened, not always being, you know, butterflies and rainbows, but feeling, feeling more nourishing. Yeah. I love what you said about expectations from the outside world being a piece in this too. I think that's a really good way of articulating it. That's definitely how I felt when I was teaching music too. And when I think about it, I feel like there were so many expectations for teaching music to look a certain way, but what mm. I really enjoyed about teaching music that I, the part that I was actually interested in and I think had a knack for was kind of like diving deep with my students and asking them interesting questions and seeing where their brains work. And it was really exploring that creativity side of things. Like mm. whenever one of my students would say something that was kind of off the wall and didn't really make a lot of sense from a, a technique perspective. I thought that was so interesting and I just wanted to dive further into that. So that was definitely one of the things that encouraged me to pursue this creativity guide role too. Which is so incredible. And your students were so lucky to have you because, Thank you. <laughs> well, seriously, that could get shut down immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, because in thinking, outside of the box in saying things that sound weird or like, what are you talking about? I have 20 other students here. I don't have time for you to be saying these weird things that I can't address and right. I don't understand. <laughs> like it, it could just, it happens and it's not always intentionally meant to be a bad thing, but the, the person on the receiving end takes it in the way that they perceive it. Um, I've seen it happen many times. So um, I've seen adults when I've worked with adults and raise their hand and say, tell me as 
have you ever had an experience where somebody told you that something shouldn't be a certain way and all these hands go up mm-hmm. and this one particular person like in his 40s was pissed like he was mad at his middle school teacher because when he took a ceramics class every one of his pieces blew up and it was only his <laughs> so <laughs> from his perspective it was like only my pieces i don't know what she was doing da 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 so we are working with clay. That was a project. I can't tell you how many prayers I said over that kiln. Right. I'm sure. <laughs> and long story long, it everything worked out. Nothing blew That's up. Good. That's good. <laughs> so thank God. But people hold on to that stuff. So they're very lucky that they had you in order to be able to get it out. And you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Tell yeah. me more. Yeah. That's something I thought about a lot when I was teaching. I think I had one particular piano teacher when I was growing up who I think really gave me space to express that. And that was something that I really deeply valued, perhaps even more so than the technical aspects of playing the, playing the piano. Um, she would ask me those questions and dig deeper into the weird things that I said. And that just made me feel so close to her and appreciated. And I think that's so important. And I think, like you said, so many people have had experiences where they've been told explicitly or implicitly, that's not okay to say, that's not okay to ask, that's not how we do things. And it was really interesting going back to when I was teaching music, working with kids versus working with adults. I felt like I would have those really kind of strange, twisty conversations with kids about these weird things that were happening in their imagination. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. But that never happened with adults. The adult Mm. conversations were more about how they felt sort of embarrassed or they weren't good enough or they didn't practice enough. And it was just so interesting to see how things shift over time. God, that is such an important point. It's true because the imagination, it it just, it, it shuts down or it changes. It's not as talked about mm-hmm. because it could be weird or are you crazy? That couldn't happen. Why would you even think that? Right. Or elephants aren't purple with pink polka dots. <laughs> It's like, well, exactly. Went, but that's our creativity and that's our imagination. God. So let's lead into, let's lead into more about, I want to hear, I to say, but the herbalism and the feng shui, I want to make sure that gets talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Herbalism is something else that I feel like has always sort of been calling to me even from a young age I remember when I was about 11 I the thing that I wanted for my birthday that I was most excited about was this reference book on herbs like not a kid's book not a illustrated story (laughs) but a reference book (laughs) and how old were you I think I was about 11 (laughs) and I was so excited about it and I would just spend hours reading through it and making lists of all the herbs that I wanted to plant in my garden someday and picking out recipes that I wanted to try for various skincare and remedies and things. And then I had the opportunity several years ago to work on an herb farm part-time for a season, which was really magical. And that kind of led me into studying herbalism more formally. I've been studying for a few years with the same teacher. And that's been really, really rewarding practice and study. And I think it's connected to creativity too, because it's been another way for me to connect to that intuition and that inner voice. The way that my teacher encourages us to work with plants is to really tap into that intuition that we have about plants and the medicine that they have. So it's been another outlet for me to kind of explore my intuition and my imagination and learn to trust that on a deeper level. Well, you also, I mean, you incorporate it into your visual artwork, don't you? I do. Yeah. You do that. And 
I remember when we had our, when we spoke prior, use the word transformation. You said alchemy. Mm. The words that I wrote down was alchemy, transformation, herbalist. Yes. Yeah, I, I am really fascinated by this concept of transformation and alchemy. And I think that herbs are one way that that can show up in our lives. Herbs can be a tool for transformation and a friend to help us through transformation. I think creativity can too. I think feng shui can as well, kind of making changes in our homes and that the the way our energy is in our spaces can transform our own lives and our relationship to ourselves. So it's all connected. It's all connected. It's, it's these as adults, like you said, it, it kind of, when you were having conversations with them, it's more about, you know, I didn't practice enough or I'm not good enough. It's more of these judge me, judge many things because mm-hmm. we compartmentalize like often, you know, people will say, Oh, well, this is something I do once in a while. And this is something I do once in a while, but I do music. I like music. I like to write. I like to, I like herbs, but it's just a little hobby. It's not anything big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've definitely felt like that in the past. And sometimes I still do feel like that, but I have to remind myself that these are all ways that I express myself. And it is really, I think, unique and interesting how I can bring them together. Yes. Didn't you, I also, let me see if I'm gonna say this correctly. Because when we spoke before, I loved how you were talking about the energetic side of herbs. And you specifically spoke about a rose. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> There's probably lots of different directions that that can go. Probably. But I I have been really interested in the energetic side of herbs since both since starting to study herbalism and also studying feng shui since feng shui is an energetic practice. And I think when we think of herbalism, often we think about herbal teas or infusions or tinctures, like things that we actually put into our bodies or maybe on our bodies. And I think those things are beautiful and wonderful and transformative. And there are all these ways that we can work with the medicine of plants without actually taking them internally. And that's sort of that energetic side of herbalism. So one way that I work with plants is to draw them. I think that that's a really beautiful way to engage with the energy of a plant is to spend time studying it visually and looking at it and appreciating its beauty and just engaging with it through a drawing, through a visual representation of a plant. And I've also had some really powerful experiences meditating with certain plants. And you mentioned rose. That's been a plant ally for me really all for about a year. It's been a really strong friend for me that I've spent a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. And I've had some really powerful experiences meditating with that plant where I I kind of invite Rose into my space when I'm sitting, when I'm quiet and kind of tuning into myself. And I've received some really beautiful messages and feelings and insights from Rose, just spending time with Rose in this really intentional way. And this is where it really does get back to creativity and imagination. I think that it is so easy sometimes to discount the things that we might experience in those ways. Like if I sit down for a meditation with Rose and I have this vision that it wraps its vines around me and is protecting me with its thorns, but it's also encouraging me to have an open heart because it has these open flowers. And I just get this feeling of being fiercely protected and loved and cared for. Mm -hmm. I think it's so easy to be like, oh, that's just my imagination. That's kind of weird. I just made that up. But I think it's really powerful to own that and say, 
maybe that is my imagination, but it's really beautiful and it's helpful. Right. <laughs> it's helpful. It feels good. It empowers me. Yeah, I, exactly. I feel, like, I feel like I can have a different perspective and view on things. I feel like I can show up and feel more connected, give myself permission to use my imagination and dream. I mean, what's bad about that? Exactly. <laughs> For anybody that's like analyzing or concrete and is like, well, I need to see it. I need to, we need to kind of trust and we need to feel in, mm -hmm. like feel. Yeah. And that's kind of how I think about a lot of these I'm into a lot of sort of mystical things. You can probably tell just by listening to me, mm -hmm. but that's kind of how I come to peace with those things that I can't necessarily prove in a concrete sense. It's by asking myself, is this improving my life to work with these energies or whatever they are in this way? And if the answer is yes, why not? Right, right. It goes back to that word uh, for me is trust. It's trusting mm -hmm. yourself to be able to maybe, I don't know, as you mentioned early, to feel silly, <laughs> yes. to feel imaginative, to put our guard down, to not have to be so serious and be open because I, I understand what you're saying is and I guess I just want to ask just for clarity for those people who might be like, what do you mean? When you have this meditation and you're calling in a rose, is this all a visualization? Do you actually have any roses around you? Or I often it do it. Yeah, that's a good question. I often do it just as a visualization. So there's no actual roses, but I think it's also really powerful to like, if you have access to the plant that you want to meditate with rose, I thought rose was going to be hard to find, but it actually hasn't been that hard to find around me to go actually sit with a rose plant and kind of engage with it through my senses while I'm calling it in energetically. And then yeah. I've also had a lot of fun playing with rose, inviting it in, not as the actual plant, but through rose perfume, through rose beverages, it's kind mm -hmm. of taking it in in that way. And there's a lot of that lately, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, ways on, you know, petals that you can actually eat, like all of this kind of stuff. There are different ways to to feel it with your senses through taste, smell, touch. Yeah. And it's really fun. And it's another way to kind of bring a little creativity into it. It's like, how can I play with Rose and all these different aspects in my life? Hmm. So that's what everybody, maybe if we can just put out there now, like, how can I play? Hmm. If you just kind of take that in and like, how can I play? Whatever that looks like to you. And I'll respond to that. And then whatever else you have to add, Maria, is like, whatever feels right to you in that, like, don't question it. Like, whatever... Because we have thoughts that pop into our head. We have that feeling in our stomach that's like that butterfly-y kind of feeling like, ooh, we hear it and we're like, ooh, that would feel good. Or, nah, that wouldn't. But just kind of act on it and don't sit there and analyze it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think I would add, sometimes when I'm wanting to create something, when I think like, oh, I should sit down and make some art right now. That doesn't feel very fun. It doesn't feel like that sort of butterflies play feeling. It's like pushing. You mentioned. And yeah. so, yeah, it's really, I think about asking myself what would be fun in this moment and not thinking so much about the end result, but just what am I feeling drawn to? Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to look like something, whatever the end result is in the sense of a concrete object, excuse me, it could be dancing in the kitchen, mm -hmm. like put music on and just move your body and act like you're singing into your, like a microphone, like 
by yourself or call in whoever's in your house, people or animals, and <laughs> <laughs> dance around with them. We do a lot of kitchen dancing. Um, that sounds great. <laughs> but I mean, just whatever it is, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's resting, whether it's meditating, whether it's calling up a person that you want to connect with, because it would be good to hear their voice and have a conversation. Yeah, I think what you said about not getting too attached to the output or what it looks like in the end, I think that's so important. And I think we focus so much on productivity and getting things done that for me, at least, it sometimes is, is really hard to take myself out of that and say, no, it's actually helpful to me, to my well-being to do things that maybe aren't productive and it's okay. And there's time for that. There's space for that. And it's safe to do those things. Safe. That's always a big word. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you find that with your clients that the word safe is important? I think it is. I think that especially around creativity, like going back to the idea of so many of us have been told that creativity has to look a certain way or even have been told that we're not creative in some way or that we're not artistic or the things that we've made are not good. I think that it can feel really unsafe to share our creativity if we have had those experiences, which many of us have. So I think that having a space to be able to kind of dip your toe back into creativity where you feel like you're going to be supported, whether that's with a coach or a friend or a group that you feel connected to. I think that's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so many experiences just jump into my own head of, from my own perspective of when certain things happened, when I was told certain things, um, like in freshman year of college in drawing class that we had to take, um, and I asked the teacher not to actually draw on my picture, but to show me on the side how to fix it so I could learn how to do it. And she looked at me and said, well, I don't think you're good enough to do it on your own. Hmm. Um, but at the time, I was grateful that I had a voice, even though it scared me to death. I was 19 years old and kind of shaking and purple in the face. Yeah. I, said, I said, I didn't ask you if I was good enough. I just asked you to do it on another piece of paper. And wow. um, <laughs> And she, I got a D in the class, which, <laughs> which I never really cared about grades. I was like, whatever. And then everybody in the class was when we stepped outside, because, you know, in um, art school, found, you know, these classes, they could be like six hour classes kind of thing. And uh, they were like, good job for speaking up. I was like, the hell with you. Where were you? Like, she, you know, she does this. <laughs> and yeah. nobody, nobody else backed me up, but they said good job afterwards. Yeah, that is impressive that you spoke up. <laughs> I just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. But it's um, so sad, though, how many people have had similar experiences. But then, when being, and I think that's why I never liked school, honestly. But, and I, here I was, what am I doing? Teach, like finding myself teaching for many of the 30 years was in school settings. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of non-traditional settings, but there was like a lot of it was school settings. It's like, why do I keep getting drawn back here? <laughs> and it was because I wanted to make it better for other people. Mm. Like I wanted to have those kids. I predominantly worked in underserved communities. Um, I just wanted people to be able to feel empowered and feel like they could be expressive and they didn't have to know how to draw or paint that they could say silly things like all the things that you pointed out, which I really appreciated in the beginning, but then it, you know, just got tiring, but yeah, that's why, that's why I was kept being drawn back. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your students were really lucky to have you too. Oh, thank you. That's the hope. Like we, yeah. we come in with that heart centered approach. Um, but tell us about feng shui for anybody that might. I know it's it's much more known about, but for anybody that might not know about it. Yeah. Feng shui is an ancient practice that's been around for many, many years. It originated in Asia. And there are something that a lot of people don't know, I think, is that there are a lot of different schools of feng shui. So there's 
different approaches. So different practitioners will have slightly different ways of looking at things. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that any of them are wrong. It's just different schools. And it really has to do with the energy in our spaces and how we interact with the energy in our spaces. So it's about setting up our homes and any other kind of built environments that we spend time in, in ways that are supportive to us. Everything that you do is so holistic and inclusive. (laughs) It really is. It's so beautiful because just like what you said there is, it's about the energy in our spaces and how we interact. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's so important to look at things from a holistic perspective. That's something that's been important to me for a long time because everything is so connected. I don't think that you can really separate out these little aspects of ourselves or these little aspects of our lives. And that's one of the things that I have learned from studying feng shui more deeply is that we are reflections of our environments and vice versa. And I think that that in itself is just a really powerful lesson. Mm-hmm. Do you, in, in the way that you teach and practice, do you, um, is it about the Bagua? Is it still the same thing about being the Bagua and there being segments, sections of a room where, in, where it talks about, you know, the, um, the elements and the colors Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yes, I do use the Bagua. So I'm certified in BTB or black sect feng shui. Mm -hmm. And yes, we use the Bagua. We use something called a floating Bagua. So it's not based on the cardinal directions or the compass directions. It's based on the, what we say, the flow of chi, the flow of energy through a space and kind of how, how energy enters into a space. Do you, can you do that? I'm just wondering for people who might be like, Ooh, that's really interesting. I'd love to work with her. Can you do that on a, um, uh, through a zoom kind of thing, or does it need to be in person? Yes. I've done it over zoom and it works pretty well. Mm -hmm. Works quite well, actually, because a lot of it, a lot of feng shui is very personalized. I think that's another thing that people don't necessarily know about feng shui if you're new to it. It really has to do with what your intentions are, what you want to create in your life, what you want to invite into your life. And so when I am working with somebody on feng shui, I'm really spending a lot of time with their floor plan and laying the bagua on their floor plan and talking about all the other things that are going on. But there's a lot that you can do just with the floor plan, with photos and with hearing what somebody is wanting to call into their life. Hmm. So there is kind of that, this is, these are the sections, but it is very much about you and your intentions and what you bring into it. Yes. So it's really, I think a lot of people ask like, is this good feng shui? Is this bad feng shui? And the way that my teachers taught me is that it's not really about good versus bad. It's really, is it supportive for you based on your unique energy, based on your circumstances, based on what you want to cultivate? Mm, I love that. It's not good or bad. Is it supportive? That can just Mm -hmm. apply to anything in life. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you said that, I'm like, that's basically life. Like, is this going to work for me? Is it not going to work for me? Well, is it going to support you or is it not going to support you? Yeah. And feng shui is, it's really a whole philosophy. It's not just looking at your house. Again, it's holistic. It's how is your house kind of this piece of your larger life? How does it interact with everything else? And how can we see the world from this feng shui perspective. It's given me a lot of insight. Mm -hmm. Mm. So with this next question, you've mentioned a lot of things because you do so many different things, but I wonder if you have anything more to add on how you incorporate more creativity into your own life. 
Yeah. Well, as much as I believe that creativity can look many, many different ways and it doesn't have to look like painting or poetry or music, I do all of those things. So part of the way that I bring creativity into my daily life is specifically carving out time for those artistic practices that are really important to me because I found that there was a period in my life where I really wasn't making time for those things and it was deeply frustrating, but it's not one of those things, like your artistic ambitions are not one of those things that are maybe always on the yes. the forefront. They're not urgent. So I've been carving out time almost every morning to work on poetry or visual art recently, which has been a really beautiful way to start my day and to make my own projects a priority first thing in the day because for me morning works best but then I also I really try to bring creativity into everything else that I do like even when I'm cooking or getting dressed or making a cake or just all these other aspects of my life how I set up my home how I interact with my home and I think that those things feed each other too like I know I just said I try to bring creativity into all those aspects, but it's not even so much trying as inviting creativity in, if that makes sense. It's like the more I make space for creativity in my dedicated creative time, the more creative I am in my daily life. And the more creative I am in my daily life, the more inspiration I have for specific artistic projects. Yeah. Yeah. I think it said so well. And I love that like feed each other. There's like mm -hmm. such, it has like such a, an interactive feeling to it. And this inviting in, it's like everybody, whatever it is in your life that you want to invite in, it, it, it's, it's like you said, it's prioritizing, it's creating, carving that time. And when people say, oh, well, I'm too busy. You have five minutes. Everybody has five minutes. Everybody has more time than that, but baby steps. So we start with that five minutes and say, okay, I'm going to carve it out. If the morning is good for me, the afternoon, whatever works for you. So it doesn't feel so hard. It's like the whole Abraham Hicks and that kind of thinking of, we don't want to have to push upstream. We want to be able to flow downstream and not have it be a battle. So, but the priority is you need to fit five minutes in at some point to do that thing. Even if it's just sitting there with a, drink staring out the window. <laughs> yes. It's so <laughs> like, valuable. It's because it's quiet time because maybe you're just moving, moving, moving and your brain's like, and you just don't stop. Mm -hmm. So it's like giving yourself permission. And I promise you that when you incorporate these things into your life, you will have more self-awareness for better or for worse at times, but it's a good thing because you're going inward more, more connection to yourself and to others. You will be giving yourself permission. You will have more balance in your life. You will be more expressive. It does nothing but positive. I totally agree with that. And I also think if your goal is to make art or produce something, I think it it can be frustrating to feel like, oh, I'm only putting in five minutes or 10 minutes a day into this. That feels like nothing. But if you actually do that, you can get a lot done. Like you can make a lot of art if you spend a few minutes every day. Exactly. And then you know what? You will, it's like somebody said, and I completely agree, when you get lost in something is when it feels good. So I'm saying use five minutes as a starting point because you're giving yourself permission but then you're going to realize that an hour went by and you're like, oh, wow. Yes. That, that felt really good. Like <laughs> I actually took the time for myself. Now I have more energy. I'm not so angry at everybody or resentful or because I never have time and all of this kind of domino effect that doesn't feel good. Yes, exactly. So I really appreciated you saying that. And a lot of times the word morning routine gets used. I find, mm -hmm. and I'm interested to hear what people do in the mornings and what they, how they do it. And I, I like how you said it, 
that you said it's it's your priority. It works for you. And that's when you find time that you can be spend time on your work and it feels good. Yeah, it does work really well for me that way, because as somebody who cares a lot about other people, mm. it's very easy for me to get sucked into other people's priorities, especially after I check my email or I check my messages for the day. I suddenly have all of these things to deal with that are not my own priorities. And it's so easy for me to just want to help everybody. Yes. So having that time to myself first thing in the morning, I know at least I made some progress on my own goals and took some time to connect to myself before I got into all that stuff for other people. Oh, so then let me go back to what your would you rather question was in the beginning. So everybody who is here live, we appreciate you being here. Any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in the chat box. Um, the question was, would you rather have no internet or no cell phone? So when you are carving out this time to give yourself permission to do your work, is there no cell phone around you? There's usually no cell phone. Sometimes I will have I don't usually like to work to music, but it kind of depends on my mood. Sometimes I'll have some music playing, um, but I usually will have something that I've downloaded so I can put it on airplane mode or put it on do not disturb. So I'm not mm -hmm. actively using my phone. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think it was worded nicely. It's carving out that time because before you get into everybody else's needs, which I completely mm -hmm. understand that, um, being, yeah, my and being mom and being, you know, all these labels that we have that are like, yeah, there's a lot of people in the house that are asking something of me, but mm -hmm. now they're older and it's carving out that time of this is, this is me time. This is, I, somebody that I'd spoken to said, and I really appreciated that her morning routine is she gets up, she lets the dogs out. She stands at the door, she's drinking whatever liquid she's drinking and admiring the sunrise. Mm, that's and beautiful. Then she puts on jazz music. So it doesn't always have to look like this meditation and this journaling that that is good, but it it can look however she's like, that's my morning routine. The dogs wake me up at 6 a.m., hang out, look at the sun, put on the music, nourish myself. So yeah. Yeah. It can look like anything. It can look like anything. So as we're getting to the top of the hour here, we're going to wrap it up with the third question, which kind of puts a nice little bow on everything, which is why do you think creativity is important? I think it's important for so many different reasons, but I think going back to this idea of thinking holistically, I think in terms of our own well-being as individuals in a holistic sense. I think that making time for creativity really helps create more balance and wholeness within us. I know that I've found for myself, you said something about like not being as prone to be angry, for example, if you make time for your creativity. I definitely find that I just feel more balanced and I feel more kind to myself and to others if I take time for creativity because I think it's I think it's this force that wants to flow through us as esoteric as that mm. sounds and I think that letting it flow is really healthy on an individual level and then I also really believe like I was saying earlier that we each have our own unique way that we express creativity through all of our different, our life experience, our different modalities and mediums and interests and personalities. And I think that we're all kind of meant to be part of this bigger web with mm. all the other people and beings around us. And I think that we're all uniquely designed to express our creativity in our own way. And it's so valuable for each of us to contribute to that mm. web. I love that. God, it's such a beautiful image. Contribute mm. to the web. And uh, not to sound too earthy crunchy, but accept people for who they are. <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> accept people for who they are. Listen to what other people are saying. We're not always going to agree, 
but we listen and we have something to contribute to this web, to this bigger picture, because it's not all about us, even though we often think it's about us. Yeah, we're all part of a whole. Yeah. Mm. Whew. Well, Maria, on that note, can you please tell everybody how they can find you? Yeah. I am at thephilosopherstem.com. That's my website. And I'm also at thephilosopherstem on Instagram. And I also have a podcast called Never Wear Boring Socks. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you had to tell us about that podcast now. I love it. <laughs> I started it several years ago with my cousin, my younger cousin, as just kind of a fun project to do. And we both love fun socks. And so it was just this shared life philosophy and also this fun way to talk about bringing creativity into your daily life through sometimes your sock choices. It's so true. It is. <laughs> My father loved socks. That was a complete way of expressing himself. Mm. It was so interestingly enough. So it was just, yeah, we just had so so colorful designs, patterns, images, just really had fun with it. So he's been gone for, it's going to be 19 years this year, but his um, birthday, we always celebrate his birthday in some way. And I looked at the kids and I was like, we're going to get socks. Like <laughs> how ridiculous, like why has it taken 19 years to think of this? That's beautiful. That, that every year we will get a fun pair of socks to honor him. I think that's great. So I love the name of your podcast. That's Thank incredible. Thank you. <laughs> love it. So before we go, is there anything that you feel that you want to add to the conversation or anything you feel like you missed? I think we covered a lot of things. I would just say we kind of already covered this, but I think play is so important. If that's like one thing to take away, to make some time for play, whatever that means to you. Agreed. Agreed. And I just really like the name of what this one was called is exploring, uncovering more beauty, creativity, and magic. Mm. So with that, make play important. Your imagination is valid and important. You're not crazy for these things that might be silly. It's okay to be silly. Just play. Yes. Just play. So this space, everybody, we appreciate everybody that was here live, those catching the replay. It's all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories. I believe we've always needed this, but I think we need it now more than ever. So please like, follow, share. It's on all the social media platforms. So we can just spread it out and have more people here because we need to lift each other up and know that we're all connected. We're one is a part of a whole. So we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are in this world, and look forward to talking soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh, be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out explore our experiential kits they have everything in them that you need to try new things you don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore there's creative shui which is seven elements to join happiness through the publishing house express yourself publishing multi-author books coffee books solo book opportunities it is all about expression all about it and it's again just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't. We are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative, 
check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link. And you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it. See what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one.